All right, welcome everyone. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, welcome everyone. This is the, and I am recording this. Uh, if I haven't, if the, it should have given you a notification when you logged on. Uh, again, it's, you know, for me to have later, for me to go back and reference if need be. Um, if the people in, you know, that need to see it don't get to see it as we do it. But basically what we're going to do is just do an overview of the film and kind of where I'm at right now, uh, you know, its origins, where we stand and where we're headed with it. Uh, for those of you that don't know uh, anybody else on here, I think you guys all know me, but just in case, uh, my name is Melhouse and I am a writer-director. I've been doing this for about, oh man, it's been like 20, 25 years at this point. Uh, I have made the in betweening will be my sixth feature. Uh, I just, my fifth one came out last year uh, and it is headed for distribution. It's called mystery spot. It's headed for distribution this fall. Uh, but in betweening is probably the most personal thing that I've done thus far, because it really is. While there is a lot of me in all of the movies, uh, sometimes transparently. So this one is the most transparent to where there's almost no, <laughs> there's almost no line at all. Although, uh, well, we'll get into this later, but while there, there's definitely a one-to-one -one relationship with a lot of the things in the movie, uh, they're not things are mixed up a little bit. So um, just to make things flow better, uh, but it is directly based on a lot of the stuff that I've been dealing with for the last 25 years or so of making movies, trying to make movies, working on other people's movies, uh, and just like the weird sort of things that get thrown at me, the weird gatekeeping that I've encountered both. Um, you know, within genres that I'm trying to work in or, you know, within groups of people that I'm, that I'm trying to get involved with movies or help me make movies or things like that. It's just a lot. Of, there was a moment probably 10 years ago where I was like, I really did have, you know, I was like, man, I cannot, you can't write this stuff. I need to start writing this down because truth really is stranger than fiction. Some of the conversations that I would have with people. So that kind of, that sort of started turning into what at the time was called 30 to 45 uh, because I was working at a pizza place and delivering pizzas while trying to make movies, you know, while trying to ha juggle three other jobs. And I was in, you know, but the weird sort of dichotomy of going off to work on a film for, you know, three weeks and then coming back to this gig and people would ask me where I'd been. And I'd say, well, I was going to work on a, you know, I went and worked on a movie for three weeks and they go, oh, worked on a movie. Then why are you here? Like, aren't you rich? Shouldn't you live in Hollywood? Because that's what people, that's what most people think. That's the idea that they have in their head. And there are many more, there are tons more stories like that. Some of which there are in the actual movie and some of which I just couldn't find a place for in the movie. But that's kind of what I, you know, I, I really, when I, when I applied for the grant, one of the things that I really, um, focused on was how this aspect of the creative process, you don't really hear a lot about. It's either, you know, you, especially with filmmaking, you either see the glamorous side, especially in an age of social media, where you just get the red carpets and the premieres and the parties and people showing off their Blu-ray boxes or whatever, or you get this super tragic, you know, story where it just totally just destroys their life kind of thing. Um, uh, but it, just usually the truth is somewhere like down, down the middle, right in between. Right. So I figured, I figured that this would be a good opportunity to tell it, tell a side of it that a lot of people really haven't experienced or seen uh, because I was living it for a, a very long time. Um, and, and again, like these are the thing, the, the script 
the moments in the script, I kind of, it were a mishmash of like me sort of break, you know, my, the things that I had to deal with in college and the weird sort of clicky stuff that I was dealing with when I was back trying to be a filmmaker then merged with me being a new father and like having to work menial jobs, but also still trying to be a filmmaker. And then like stuff that's as recent as the last movie I worked on, but I tried to like kind of Play-Doh combine it all, you know, and mash it up and make it interesting because the, the truth of it is there were a lot of those large stretches that would not really lend themselves to, <laughs> uh, you know, some sort of entertainment because they're just like, it, it's kind of just the boring day to day. Okay. Well, you know, I've got to do X, Y, Z again, and maybe something will happen. Maybe something will happen. There were long stretches that went by like that where I was trying to get things going. In fact, uh, in betweening, as I said, started life probably a decade or more ago as, as a different script. And I tried to sort of pull the trigger then, but I just couldn't find, couldn't find people that were into it, of course, because it's a very personal story and it's a very niche story. And there's a lot of racial elements to it that a lot of people don't either understand or vibe with. So, you know, it's, it's not exactly the most commercial, you know, pitch to someone that wants to, that wants to fund a movie. Uh, but in trying to do, I tried to grow the crowdfunding route back then and uh, had a bunch of people around me that seemed to assure me that things might go well. And I had a lot of friends that were very successful at it at the time. And we did a crowdfunding campaign. <clears throat> I say waves me. I uh, did a crowdfunding campaign back then and just fell squarely on my face. Like just, it, it pretty much failed. I mean, miserably, like we got a few donations, but there was no way we we're going to make a movie out of it. And the, the way that I felt after that failed attempt led to me make writing a script called mystery spot, just out of rage, <laughs> you know, just trying to get it all out of me. And I wrote mystery spot. And that was the movie that I ended up making first, but in a weird way, it's a mirror image of the stuff that I was dealing with and in between it. Cause I hadn't really gotten out, gotten it out or dealt with it yet. So, but it's also, it's more, it's more of a grown up. It's like where uh, I always, I always make the Stephen King comparison. It's like, if, if mystery spot is desperation, then in between is definitely the regulators. Like the, there's a lot of crossover and similarities, but one is much more, <laughs> much more of a crazy sort of comedic, uh, darkly funny approach. Everything gallows humor almost. Uh, whereas the other one is more just like serious and contemplative take on the things. But it's 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 interesting that 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 those movies have had kind of this weird symbiotic relationship because that I hadn't really intended that one kind of birthed the other in a weird way. But uh, now they've, they're sort of like locked in this sort of creative death roll because <laughs> I just, like I said, I just finished Mystery Spot and that immediately led to um, making in between and getting that going. But what's, you know, it, it was it was helpful because once I applied for this grant, which I have to say that uh, in betweening was made possible by uh, a grant through the city of Houston via the uh, mayor's office of cultural affairs. And, uh, it was the grant came through the Houston arts Alliance. And I think, uh, I can't remember who gave me the heads up on applying for it, but I'm the kind of guy that, like I said, I, we did a, we did a crowdfunding campaign and try to get the movie going, you know, years ago. And it just didn't, didn't take off. So, and, and I've tried things like that in the past or applying for grants or whatever, and it's just never worked for me. 
But this time, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I just made Mystery Spot and it was starting to make waves around that time. Uh, this time, I obviously was successful. And thankfully, the uh, Houston Arts Alliance saw fit to award me with a grant. And that is really what, excuse me, that is really what got us going. And that, that enabled us to shoot. I kind of laid the groundwork, uh, you know, for a while uh, to try to try to be able to pull the trigger when we were ready. But there was no way I could have done it without uh, getting that grant. So as soon as I was, they notified me about that. I think it was on my birthday, actually, the, on December 27th. And we knew that it was coming. So I started immediately making plans to shoot. And we shot, we completed principal photography this past March. We did it around spring break. I think we started on the 10th of March and shot through the 26th, if I'm not mistaken. mistaken. And so um, what remains now, so all the principal's done. I've been editing that. Uh, in between is, is a hybrid. It's got, it's a high, it takes a hybridized approach to like the storytelling where there's, there's a lot of, you know, live action, but there's a lot of animation too, um, which was intended from the beginning. I think early on when I wrote the script, I think it was an issue of, I was just sort of thinking about how some of these things might not be able I would not be able to be pulled off on a super shoestring budget, which I knew that we were kind of working with. So that's when I really started to think about animation. I remember at the time the movie was called 30 to 45 still. So I started thinking about animation and whether or not that would work. And then also concurrently <laughs> I start, I, I started, I was, I was working myself to the bone and I was, my, my body was so destroyed that I would, I wouldn't say pass out, but I definitely like micro napped a lot and like started to see weird things when I was out working. And so uh, I immediately thought, okay, well, what if this is what the character sees? So that's kind of what led me to thinking along those lines. And then eventually it led me down to the in-betweening title, because for those that don't know, in-betweeners are what they call the people on animation, on working on an animated movie or project that sort of like the main animators will fill in you know, let's say frame one and frame 10, and then the in-betweeners come in and do frame two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? So it's, uh, so they're sort of filling in the middle. So I was like, oh, that works perfectly because it, that refers to the animation. It also refers to like where I'm kind of caught in between all these weird groups that won't quite let me in, you know, be it, you know, filmmaking or, you know, certain investors or things like that, or even the movies I make trying to get certain places. And then also you know, refers to me myself because I'm, you know, in, I'm, I'm white. I'm, my mom is white. My dad is black. I feel like I'm constantly caught in between like, you know, these two racial identities and a lot of the conversations I've had about of you know, some of the other movies I've tried to get going were firmly based in that. Like, you know, you're not, we don't either, we don't want a black character in this or you're too white to do this or, you know, kind of thing. So that, when I really had that moment of, oh, in between, like when, when in betweening hit me like a lightning bolt, that's when it sort of all really coalesced and came together. And again, this was a while before the movie proper got going, but um, for a long while when I was, when I was really putting it together, it was, it was a lot of just me just throwing stuff at the wall to see what would stick and, and keeping track of stuff that I'm like, oh, I got to tell that story later. But uh, it didn't really have cohesion until I stumbled on the in betweening thing. Um, so um, the 
I mentioned we were doing a lot of the animation. We're doing a lot of animation. And the person that I have helping me do a lot of that is Nick Butler. He's on the Zoom. You don't have to talk or anything, Nick. But I just wanted to shout you out because uh, he and I vibed about on this a while ago. And uh, I was really skeptical about really pulling the trigger on this until Nick we had a long talk about it and, you know, we had, there's a lot of commonality and, you know, how we've sort of approaching approach things. I really like the work that he does. So he's, uh, you know, he gave me a lot of faith, whether he knows it or not, was this speaking to you? He gave me a lot of faith in continuing forward with the project. And then when he started sending me, we'll show, we'll show a little bit later, but when he started sending me like your rough, you know, and everything, that's really when I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. This can work. This can work. And that actually enabled me to open up how I thought about some of the scenes and feel more comfortable with some of the transitiony stuff and what we can get away with, like him falling through the air and all that kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to shout you out, Nick. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's see, where am I? Oh yes. Yeah, so what I want to do first, what I want to do now is I'm going to show you, uh, a quick clip, one of the one of the clips that we're going to show, and this one is I, a lot of people have already seen this one because we released it as part of the uh, Indiegogo. We're kind of showing off, um, just like the vibe and the tone, and you know what what uh, what we're kind of going for. And it does involve some of Nick's animation. Uh, it does involve some amazing voice acting from yours truly. <laughs> so don't laugh at that um, or laugh, you know, if it calls for it. Uh, but basically what this came from, this, this scene is pretty, again, it's pretty close to like real life. So what I was doing when I was sort of juggling all these jobs, I was delivering pizzas. I was working as a standardized patient at a medical school. Uh, which a lot of people don't even know that that job exists. But what you do is you go in and you sort of play sick for the medical students. So they come in and they, they kind of go, they learn to basically take blood pressure the correct way, listen for, you know, figure out vitals. They learn how to palpate for your liver, things like that. Nothing major. They're really not supposed to do any invasive exams, although that did uh, sometimes they screw up, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was just part of a, part of one of the many gigs I was juggling at the time. Uh, so I would go from like the pizza's place to the medical center here in Houston. And then during the summers and sometimes during the winters, I would, another thing that would enter the rotation would be, I, I would teach video camps, uh, kids, video camps, um, usually like 12 to 17 year old. Uh, and I would show them, we, we did a lot of stop motion animation, a lot of just basic storytelling um, and things like that. Just, uh, the basic ideas of, you know, or the basic language of cinema kind of stuff. And uh, it was something I really enjoyed, but sometimes the lines would blur <laughs> in a weird way. Like I'd just be so wiped out. And um, I remember the moment that I think really sort of that sticks out from that period to me. It's not, it's actually not the story, uh, but I taught this summer video camp um, and there, there's a line like this in the movie, but I taught the summer video camp uh, that took place at an elementary school. And basically what would happen was <clears throat> it was done in conjunction with a, um, I think it's writers in the schools and they would have the kids write short fiction. And then I would help them take their short fiction and turn it into a stop motion animation. Right. So we, and I mean, this was a long, I think it was two or three weeks of, you know, five days. 
So it was, it was a great gig, but it, it, it was, but it, you know, I was with those kids for a while. So we really bonded. And by the end of it, they were like, Oh man, Mel is my hero, dude. I want to be like a director. I want to be a famous director. Just like you mind you, like I'm leaving this camp and uh, going to go deliver pizzas or lay on a, you know, lay on an exam table for, um, you know, several hours. Uh, so it's, it wasn't exactly what they thought it was, but they knew some of them, this was after my last, my fourth feature had come out, which Lionsgate had released. So it was easy to find. So they kind of researched and they found it. And to them, I was like the real deal. Right. So they really thought it was cool to have met a real director. Like they all, um, they all got my autograph at the end. A lot of it's actually this, the slate that I have on the wall back here. That's that camp. Uh, they all signed the slate for me. Um, but, I remember very clearly, like the camp ended maybe two weeks later, I was working at the pizza restaurant. And by this point I had failed upward into management. So I was running the pizza restaurant and two of the kids from that camp came in and saw me immediately. And that was a crazy, it was a crazy weekend night. Everything was running late. The restaurant was a real, was a real mess. So, you know, even (laughs) beyond the fact that they saw me working a restaurant job, it was, not our, you know, we weren't putting our best foot forward, so to speak. So the look on their, I will never forget how the look on the, their faces fell, you know, and they saw, you know, their hero, you know, just doing a workaday job. And uh, that, that really stuck with me. It's And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate or berate like those gigs. I had to do them because I had to, you know, make ends meet, but you know, people, Again, they get it twisted in their head. They think movies equals rich and, you know, that kind of thing to the point and not just people on the outside to uh, you kind of when you're trying to get work, you can't let people on the inside in the industry, so to speak, um, know that. Sorry, my uh, computer shut down here and I'll get to my notes on it. You can't let people in the industry know that you're like a normal Joe because they for whatever, even though they're all kind of doing the same thing, or at least a great deal of them, it just gets weird. So this is a scene just, it's, it's not really a, it's not really about that particular exchange, but it definitely, I feel like it, it really encapsulates like the vibe of the movie and uh, you know, the, the, what we're kind of trying to go for with the, the animated cutaways and things like that. Uh, so this one is called We Can't Talk About Butts. Do any of you guys know what a standardized patient is? No. no. What's that? I think there was a Seinfeld episode about it. What's Seinfeld? I think it's a sitcom from the 90s. Multicamera. What? I know, right? I mean, if you can't get your story in one lens, then GTFO. Look, I'm just saying that that's a story that I might relate to you guys via animation. I forgot to mention, since this is a simulation, uh, you didn't need to do that. Is he still asleep? I thought he was just a really good actor. Gross, bro. Yeah, I don't think you can talk about your butt, cause we're kids. Yeah. Good point. Don't mind the shilling, the Indiegogo's over. Okay, did you guys hear it that time? Okay, I got the LOL, so <laughs> that seems to have worked. Um, and again, as as we show off these clips, uh, keep in mind that I, you know, 
this is sort of a pre-production sneak peek. The movie still does have its pants down, so to speak. So color correction hasn't been done. I've done a little bit just to make it a little more watchable. Same with sound design. I try to cut it to where it's listenable, but there's sound engineering is still yet to come. <laughs> you should be, Julie. It's hilarious. Um, sound engineering is still yet to come. Uh, Nick, if I'm not Nick Butler, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's still, you know, that that's not exactly the final pass, the animation. Uh, I think you, you said you're still going to do some more work on it. I think it's funny as it is. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love how you made the guy look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo when I did that stupid voice just to sound different. <laughs> I love totally it. the See, inspiration. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of uh, collabor- collaboration I'm looking for. <laughs> so anyway, so that's so that's the clip that we kind of shared during the campaign. And and again, it was it was intentional so that you could people could see kind of how we're going to do the animation in and out stuff. Um, although it's not always like that. Like there are a lot of instances where our lead character is, it's very Nightmare on Elm Streety, of course, you know, because that's my, my jam, but like where he's in a situation, you don't realize that he's passed out and, you know, it kind of goes into an animation kind of thing or just a weird heightened reality thing. In uh, a lot of those instances, he is, he's got two sort of, Think of it as the angel and devil on your shoulder or like your maybe your uh, your spirit animal that's supposed to help you out. And also like the negative voices that you always hear in your head and his his our lead character's version of his uh, negative voice is a zombie. It's a zombie guy because so much of my angst and pathos is like tied up in like just trying to make make my way through this horror movie world. And what is the, you know, what's the most popular horror movie trope, you know, of the last probably 15, you know, years or whatever it's zombies. Right. So Ty blue plays zombie guy. Uh, and he, you'll see him in a clip. Uh, it's the, it'll be the last clip I think that we play, but you'll see what I mean. It's awesome. And then um, the spirit animal uh, in the film is Angelo Moore from fishbone. And if you're not familiar with fishbone, they're, they're an alternative, punk funk rock metal ska jazz band that's been around since 1979 uh but they they came up in the same scene as the red hot chili peppers jane's addiction uh no doubt used to open shows for them you know they they were like a a seminal los angeles rock band they're on you know Lollapalooza. uh they were poised to be the biggest band in the world at one time but for whatever reason, I don't want I don't want to say for whatever reason, there are a lot of reasons. There's a whole documentary about it, but they just could not make it where they had everything going for them. I mean, there was a there was a time where I would read every magazine I would read when I was a kid, whatever band it was, they would mention Fishbone or they'd be wearing the, the shirt with the bone or, you know, there's this uh, picture of David Bowie wearing the, one of their baseball caps because uh, he was a huge Fishbone fan. So it's like you would constantly hear about this band and you and you'd wonder like what why did they never break completely through like what was the problem you know and at a certain point that really resonated with me aside from the fact that these are black dudes playing what's thought of as white music white music you know so they are they're like my mulattoized experience like made flesh almost right so I've been a huge fan of theirs for 
a, you know, a good portion of my life. And at a certain point when I would start to deal with my own sort of creative personal demons like that, I really, I would, I would think of, you know, like what would Fishbone do? Like what did this happen to them? How did they handle this? Man, I wonder what Angelo Moore would have to say about this. And so that when I started thinking about this script, I'm like, well, the angel on his shoulder, his spirit animal has to be Angelo. And if you don't know who Angelo Moore is, I, I, I should have pulled up some YouTube videos or whatever of him, but highly recommend going to check. Cause I mean, he is notably considered to be one of the most, one of the, the, the best frontmen in rock. Yeah. WWFD. I should make t-shirts. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, explosive, you know, to watch them perform even, you know, to this day, you know, and, and, Again, like watching, it's it's almost like an, a real religious experience to watch them uh, play a show. So I knew that that would translate. I mean, he's a character, right? Because that's that's just part of who he is. You know, he's he's played with everybody from, you know, the Chili Peppers to Prince to, you know, Justin Timberlake. You know, like it's he is well respected, and a, a lot of you know a lot of it is just he's just one of those people that's almost otherworldly, like, you know, <laughs> almost alien in a sense. So I knew that all that would translate if he was down to do it. Right. So, and I approached him about this project. <clears throat> it was a while ago, um, probably around when I first started writing the script and he was, he was pretty much down from the start. And we, we had had, we had worked together a little bit, uh, a documentary that I shot several years ago uh, was about all about black rock bands. So, uh, we spent about a, you know, a day, maybe two days with Angelo and uh, getting, you know, shooting interviews and stuff. So we were familiar. And then once I started really explaining to him what the impetus of the story was and how it kind of, how there were parallels of, you know, with what they had gone through and, you know, what I had gone through um, here is, let's see. Are you guys seeing that fishbone photo? Yeah, that. So that's Angelo right there. This is their their DVD, probably their most popular album, I guess. This is the one that came out, and this is the one that everybody thought you know was going to put them on the map, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, once I started talking to him about that and getting him on the page of you know like the struggles that Eric, our lead character, is going through. Uh, played by Eric, played by Brandon Cole. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet. You saw him in the last clip. Um, Angelo really got it, like from from the jump, you know. And so he was down, and then he was amazing on screen. He I mean, he just needed to be Angelo, you know, and that's exactly what he did. Um, and it just it worked, it worked so well. And the strangest experience was once we got. It was weird because he was nervous. When I say this guy's one of my heroes, like that's not hyperbole. He really is one of my heroes. But the dynamic quickly became on set. Like he was nervous to be on my set because he was worried about screwing up or just remembering stuff, you know, because he's a performer, not a actor. Um, but I, you know, I just had to explain to him, hey, man, you're, you, these are all things I tried to write in your voice. You're playing yourself. Just, you know, do what Angelo do. And then once we, we hit a rhythm and then it, you know, it turned out great. Um, so this next scene that I'm actually going to, that, that I'm going to queue up, it's actually the first time that we see Angelo 
in the movie in his um uh you know in his role as angel on eric's shoulder so to speak but this is <clears throat> and it's again very much based on <laughs> a meeting that i really had uh let me get it going here and then I'll finish talking. Okay. Okay. So it's very much based on a meeting I had um, with these people that were interested in, at the time we were doing a TV show, a comedic TV show. And these guys are very interested in picking it up and put, they actually own some TV stations. They were interested in syndicating it for us. Um, but I quickly realized that things are, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, and it was, and I wish that I had my own Angelo in the moment to uh, have helped guide me through that situation. Um, now this scene, definitely this scene, in addition to the things I mentioned earlier, like no <clears throat> color, not final color correction or sound. There are a few um, visual effects or tweaks that are missing. There's a moment where, uh, there's a moment where we see a video on the TV and the idea, and this is real. The idea is Eric goes into this meeting and they're kind of high roading him and saying, you know, like we're trying to send a positive message to our people, but the whole time there's a booty shaking video rap video behind them. Um, which again, no problem with booty shaking videos, but don't try to high road me <laughs> if, you, if you're running that on a loop. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but that, and that was real. It was real. And that really happened. And uh, so that's not there yet because I've yet to, we're not actually shooting the video. I actually have a friend that I've helped shoot those videos and uh, he's, he's got to get me one. So I've got to drop that in. But also there's a moment and you'll see, I think it calls it out. I think I have text there where Angelo throws his saxophone at uh, Angelo throws his saxophone at the people that are offering the raw deal. And it's going to be a visual effect because he did. We didn't really want him to throw, throw his sax, nor do we want to get another sax and throw it and put a hole in the wall. So that's yet to come, but you'll, you'll get the idea um, of, of what's supposed to happen. So this one, uh, I don't have a funny title for this one. It's just called scene 16 through 18, but we'll call it the meet, the meeting at channel 19. All right, here we go. It looks like sound is enabled, so we should be good good to go. Now, this scene's about, I think it's about nine minutes long, so settle in. Get ready for some comedy. And... Did I just, uh... Yes, you did, brother. Mm. Is he black enough to say that? We get it, still rolling. Do you need a moment, brother? No, 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 I just, <clears throat> I have a... I'm sold. This dude crazy. That's just what we need up in here. Some stream of consciousness Boonwell shit. It's Boonwell. Rain it in a little bit, Swerve. Okay. Swerve? He's my cousin, my play cousin. But uh, back to the discussion at hand, uh, Brother Eric. Uh, listen, we like your material, but we have a few inquiries, Brother Rashid. Thank you, Brother Malik. Now, Brother Eric, we're definitely interested in considering leveraging a partnership with you. We feel like your work is just the type of thing we need to inject some life into our network. 
That being said, where are all the black people at? Um, <clears throat> excuse me? Don't worry. I got your back, Eric. Angela, what are you doing? Man, let's just say I'm your backup. Or your blackup. <laughs> see? See? This dude crazy. Straight up twin peeking up in here. So you guys aren't seeing. <laughs> Or hearing this man. Uh, no, brother. And who is it you're seeing exactly? Apparently the lead singer of my favorite band. Man, text me the number of your dealer. Calm down, Swerve. Uh, back to what you were saying a moment ago, Brother Bashid. Brother Eric, now, the quality of your work is good, and we definitely love this sitcom pitch, but we're just concerned that it might not send the right message. What message exactly? Yeah, what message? Empowerment. For one. I mean, most of the cash you've attached, they're all white. No. No, there's, there's four white people, two black guys, an Asian guy, and two gay... Uh, let me stop you right there, <laughs> brother. Uh, I just want you to understand what we are trying to do here. We're trying to send a positive message to our people. Yeah. Right. Positive message. Yeah, right. You think all that ass is gonna keep the kids off the street? With all due respect, this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm half black. Yeah, we're gonna have to work on that too. Oh, I got that, Lester. Malik. It's Malik. If I'm gonna call you Curve or Speed Bump or whatever, then you can call me Malik. And you don't got that. You barely got yourself. What do you mean, work on it? Like, what is there to work on? You see, our demographic is black. And well, truth be told, you're just blackish. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> Can't say that, my brother. I forgot my mistake. Eric, you're just sort of black. Diet black. Is that better? Man, that's fucked up right there. We can use it. Work with it. We'll spin it, you know?
You're our invasive exotic, son. You need to tell these guys to suck it, man. That's some bullshit right there. I agree. Uh, who are you talking to, my brother? <laughs> who? Who indeed? This some next level Latka shit up in here. Y'all remember Latka from that TV show with Knicky and the Penguin? Look, uh, brothers, no disrespect, but I think I should take my project and, and go a different way with it. Now hold on, my brother. Work with this on this and we can definitely get you paid. Hold on, man, just pause. Pause for information. Oh yeah? Definitely. Get you that paper, son! Is this fucking guy for real over here, man? Am I out of it again? Yeah, 70, 30. I mean, I'm, I'm here. But you're here mostly, though. What? What are you talking about, brother? Next zombie guy. Proceed. What I was saying is we can definitely find some money in this for you. And what are the terms? Well, for this season, we're thinking we can get a pretty sizable advance via syndication. Now, based on what you've shown us thus far, we're thinking we can get 50000 up front. to be split between us. Okay, so... And then after, we're thinking we can offer you roughly $3,000. What about my crew? 3000 as well. Man, let me throw this at him, man. Hold on, hold on. So what you're saying is 6000 total for everything and then you guys split 50,000 no you misunderstand <laughs> okay i was hoping so it's 3,000 total for you and them i wish that were real yeah i wish my aim was a lot better probably too <laughs> yeah sorry man i just get a little emotional you know where do you go eric take me there what do you think about all of this, brother? I think I'm gonna take my project. Thanks, Swerve. And I'll see myself to the door. Good call, Eric, good call. Damn, this booty video was still on? Now hold on, my brother. We just wanna make sure that you realize what we are trying to do here. Well, I think I understand what you're trying to do already. No, thank you. So, you'd rather deliver pizzas the rest of your life? At least they don't pay me slave wages, brothers. Damn, it's like they got the same butt on the loop. Oh, snap! Shut up, Clarence.
There we go. Oh, snap, indeed. So, yeah, that was, uh, that, like I said, that was mostly a true story. Um, <laughs> the only thing I think, well, I've changed a few things, but the numbers that I was offered were even more ridiculous. Like, I think it was something wild, like $100,000 and maybe like a thousand bucks for me or something like that. That's the thing with a lot of this stuff is if I, if I had told the real story and people wouldn't believe me, they would think I was making it up. Um, but uh, you know, and again, that was that whole day was crazy because it was just insane having Angelo there and, you know, saying these words that I've heard him say in my head many times. Um, but I'll, you know, I think it's important because I know he's had a lot. I know he himself have had, has had a lot of those similar encounters, you know, where people that are supposed to have your back for whatever reason, be it they're part of your crew or, you know, your friends, or, you know, maybe even it's a racial thing. Like we got to stick together, but then they, they, you know, ultimately a lot, a lot of people really are only out for themselves, you know? And that's what I really wanted to get across because it's, again, it's back to the in-between thing. Like there's, there was nowhere, there was nowhere for me to, to kind of, to kind of go. And I felt, I felt torn in between, like in between all these, all these different places that were all kind of bouncing me, bouncing me around like stoppers in a pinball machine, you know? And, and it, it was, it was this, it's the same, it was the same sort of story, the same kind of gatekeeping or clickishness or just straight up thievery, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Uh, and I wanted to, I really wanted to make a point to what I really wanted to try to do with this movie and again, there's only so many stories I can fit into 90 minutes or whatever, but I really wanted to try to make a point to be even handed and show like, oh, you know, I've caught shit from all of these people. <laughs> it's not just, a, oh, you know, the white man's keeping me down thing or, oh, like black people won't accept me or anything like that. It's or, you know, the horror, the horror crowd doesn't love me because it's not true because a lot of them do. And a lot of them are like ride or die, you know, but it's that it kind of it's it's come from it's come from all sides and that's that's was the most frustrating part you know uh because of trying to sort of find a tribe and uh only recently have I, do i think that I've, I've i've settled into one you know but it it was a it was a long it was a long and arduous journey um so that there is so the flip side of that i have another clip the flip side of that of course uh at least in this script, there's a similar sort of encounter, but it's with, it's like a horror podcast. And again, this is representative of several different things that I've experienced, <laughs> you know, going through that world, uh, making my way through that world. But uh, again, most of these things like were real things that, that I've experienced or, or were said to me or, you know, and, uh, it's the kind of thing that I'm like, that needs to be, that needs to be immortalized somehow because I cannot believe these words actually came out of your mouth. Um, uh, and again, this is a, this scene in particular, I think is a good showcase for the character of zombie guy. Although this is a little bit later in the film, um, you, you've met him a few times by this point, but he definitely is Angelo's sort of opposite number where Angelo is trying to like, you know, kind of be Eric's hype man and get him to do the right thing and make the right choices. Zombie guys just undermining him and, you know, 
kneecapping him wherever he can. Uh, I'm going to read your, sorry. Oh, there's a lot of messages here that I, that I missed. Okay. Um, oh, thank you, Nick. Yeah. Angelo, th- Caitlin. Yeah. Angelo's awesome. You wait till you see some of the other stuff. Sean, a zombie is a negative spirit gives me big American. Well, yep, totally. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, okay, well, people are going to think of uh, American werewolf in London, which is fine with me because it's, I mean, that, that whole idea is genius, you know, and it's, it works so well within the context of that movie. Um, so even, and I, I don't, I didn't realize until later that I was like, Oh, that must've been the whole Griffin Dunn thing is must've been where I was coming from with this. But that is one of my favorite movies again, because it's like this weird I, being a kid of the eighties. A lot of my favorite movies are these weird, I don't want to say genre bending, but tone bending things where they, they effortlessly, effortlessly flow in and out of these different, it's like comedy, horror, drama kind of stuff where it, it's not as, clearly delineated as maybe things that you know come out now but another movie that i always think of like that would oddly enough would be beverly hills cop like everybody think that's a lot everybody when they think of that movie they think it's a laugh a minute riot but it's not really it's that there's the comedy there for sure but it grows out of the situations and uh there are real stakes like that whole beginning where mikey tandino gets killed and everything it's like a serious cop cop thing and you know again that's kind of i think i unconsciously pull from those wells because that's the stuff that really resonated me, resonated with me as a kid. Um, those, again, those things that kind of keep their feet in a lot of different tones. Uh, okay, so here we go. This one, oh, let me pull this up. This is uh, the meeting with the, it's the Spooky Knots podcast. Initially, the title, the title of the, the podcast was called the Boo Crew podcast because I was just trying to think of something that a horror podcast would name themselves, but there are so many, of course, boo crew was taken. So I was like, okay, well, let me try to think of another one. And I think I was, I might've been down by NASA and I was like, Oh, spooky knots, like astronauts of the spooky. That's perfect. So uh, I invite you to join me in uh, meeting the fine folks at the spooky knots podcast one second let me get it all set up here all right here we go good evening folks and welcome once again to another edition of the spooky knots podcast bringing you the latest the greatest the biggest the baddest and the best in modern horror fandom i am your host creepy charlie being joined in the studio as always by my cadaverous co-conspirators first of all deadly daniel darkside doctor deadly daniel darkside you know deadly i would drink this blood but that just seems shallow and pedantic so what's that all about I gotta maintain my street cred while also maintaining my detached pseudo intellectual. Are you a real doctor? I have my PhD in spookology, so yes. Moving right along, also joining us in the studio, as always, the maiden of the macabre, the priestess of pulchritude, the queen of screams, rotten Annie, the physical. Manifestation and Avatar of Death and Dismemberment. Hail Satan. Our guest tonight, Eric Linson, director of the independent films Murder Mind and Tentacill. Yeah, uh, 
thanks for having me. And joining you is... Oh, uh, no, he's just uh, along for the ride. I, I didn't have time to stop um, him. Excuse me. Actually, <coughs> hi. Um, my name is Zombie Guy. And uh, nice. actually, I am a bit of a writer slash producer myself. Huh. Yep, some might even Take call it. me a notaire. What have you ever written or produced? Um, Easy Turbo. Please do not forget that pre-death, I worked as a casting assistant for almost eight months. All right? And even though I may be a member of the living impaired community, I still understand how this shit works. Um, if I may interject, my pustulant friend, you strike me as someone who does know how this shit works. And, uh, Winston, you may want to make a note of this. He's also a testament to overcoming adversity in the workplace as well, man. Yeah, and, and also this, this casting department that you worked at. Mm -hmm. uh, is it at all reminiscent of some obscure film I can name drop? Obscurity is the coolest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, what are you working on now? Oh, sure. Well, um, I have an idea that I've been tinkering around with, and I, I really just feel like it's going to be the next insert super popular horror film here. <laughs> Sounds like a real Fulci-esque throwback. Big ambitions. Mm -hmm. What's it called? Right. So I, I don't really have a title yet. Uh -huh. um, I actually haven't written anything. But I did bring along today the sexy lookbook for you guys to look at. No! <laughs> Don't look now, kids, but uh, my undead friend here is a bit of a player. Oh, stop. <laughs> a, a player? Are you for real? Hey. He's here by accident. Don't hate the player, hate the game, boo. Hashtag hate the game. No, seriously, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. Uh, all right, look. Before this goes any further, I mean, like, I don't know what's going on between the two of you here, and in all honesty, it's of no consequence to me. I've just got tremendous respect for the body of work that both of you have accomplished. Thank you so much. The work. The, you just met this guy three minutes ago. How can you, how can you really like him? And what work? I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Can, can you please not talk to my connects like this? You're completely <laughs> exploiting them right now. Let's not forget that you came here with me for an interview about my work. Your work. His work. Right. He, he wants to talk about his work. Okay, great. Let's do that. Your films are shit. Okay? Let's be honest. The only reason you even got distribution on your last movie was because your lead actress was in that other movie. Your actors are terrible, and your writing is trite. Trite, yeah. This is coming from a zombie guy. And? Uh, yeah, but zombie guy actually has a point here. Uh, I was going to bring it up later in the program, but kind of happy that it emerged organically because now I feel like it's out there on the table. we got to open an honest dialogue. Thank you. Really? <laughs> so you're saying your films are infallible, that's what you believe? <laughs> no. This fucking guy. Can you still see my pertinent hats? Every last one of them, okay. bro. No, that's not what I believe, but any defense that I give you now, you guys are going to think that that's what it is because you guys already have your mind made up about it. That and, obviously I'm not one of the cool guys, I don't wear the fucking costume. <coughs> what costume? You know, uh, maybe we could uh, bring in our special guest and she could help shed some light on this situation because... She's got some insider knowledge. Great. Who's this going to be?
<laughs> the Spooky Knots podcast. That was actually one of my favorite things to shoot and write. Again, because a lot, you know, a lot of that stuff, as I said, was legitimately like it's almost quoted directly from stuff that I've been involved with or people that I've um, had to deal with. Uh, and, you know, it becomes very frustrating because it's, uh, there is that level of gatekeeping and, and weird clickishness. And uh, so I'm exercising all those demons, all of them. <laughs> and I love, I love Ty in that. I love what he, what he does uh, with the character. I wrote it. I wrote the character of zombie guy for him with him in mind, hoping to, hoping that he would just say yes. So he did thankfully. And, uh, I also wrote it with him in mind because he's a musical theater actor, a very, very accomplished one. He's actually, he just opened a show called Titanic in uh, New York. And it is a, it is a musical version of Titanic, but with more Celine Dion songs, hence the Titanic. So uh, it, it looks pretty fantastic and they're getting pretty good reviews. So I, if go check that out. Um, uh, Ty's been working, he's been working on that for almost as long as I've been working on in betweening, I think. Um, but uh, with that said, we do have, um, oh, well, I'll, I'll hold on that. We'll wait on that. But um, let's go, let's, let me just let everybody know the sort of the state of the union. So you've seen some of the clips that I've edited um, so far. There, there are, there are a couple of parts of the movie that we still have yet to shoot those are ma mainly the, there's a scene with puppets. It's another thing where Eric passes out and wakes up and everybody's puppets. The puppets are being fabricated right now. Um, and they are, the the person doing them does a great job at like photo, not photorealistic, but puppets that, you know, are likeness puppets that look like the person is supposed to look like. Um, so I cannot wait to do, <laughs> I cannot wait to do that scene. We've recorded the audio for it already. So I think it's going to be, uh, me and my very, very small crew of three people, myself included, uh, doing all the puppetry and whatnot when the time comes. Um, we've got uh, a couple of transitional things that I need to shoot now that I know how things are going to sort of go together, fit together within the film. Uh, and then there is, uh, as I hinted at earlier, there's a musical sequence there's a musical number that we have that we are going to be doing uh, because half of the cast are musical theater actors. And I don't, I, I, when I was working on this and when I was working on the initial script, I dreamt this whole sequence uh, in musical, in musical form. So I, was, I woke up and I was like, okay, I have to do that. And it really is, you know, it's more of the same. It's not, it's not your upbeat kind of, uh, what you would think of when you think musical, it starts out that way, but then it quickly becomes this angry sort of punk rock, people just lashing out at the lead character uh, kind of thing uh, while he's trying to focus on what he's doing and, and continue editing. Um, so we have that to shoot. We've got, a, we've got a choreographer lined up and everything, so it should be great. Um, that's forthcoming probably in the fall, probably, or probably do the puppet stuff around then. Uh, there are... There's another, there's another larger scene that we need to do with Michelle, which is, you haven't seen her yet. Uh, it's Eric's um, girlfriend or ex, recent ex-girlfriend. Uh, and uh, 
when I went through the script the first time, I realized that she kind of, that character was in there. Again, it's based on people that have been in my life, but the way it read on paper was that she just was like a plot device harpy, you know, you can't, you shouldn't live your, you know what I mean? Like you shouldn't live your dreams just basically there to tell him no. And just, and I didn't want it to be like that. I don't know. It just made me feel gross because everybody's kind of, not only am I just leaning into like poor pitiful me stuff, I guess I didn't want to make it seem like he's just a victim all the time, but everybody's kind of the star of their own story in a way. We're just looking at Eric's cause that's what I know. Right. But I didn't want, I didn't want to like make it seem uh, cartoonish, I guess. I know it's funny because we have animation, but you know what I'm saying? Like where it's, she's really there just to be an antagonist or a thorn in his side. Uh, so there's a whole scene that we have yet to shoot where Michelle kind of has her own. She has her mini in betweening moment uh, where she, she pulls focus and the movie's kind of about her for a little bit. Uh, but that, that all, it, it involves the puppets and it involves some musical stuff. So we still have to shoot that. Uh, that that's with uh, Chelsea, our actress, Chelsea Sar- Sarrett. Uh, since I mentioned the animation, I realized I hadn't really shown uh, Nick's character models for our characters. So oop, that's not it. There they go. Let's see if I can share that. Fortunately, we don't need audio for this. So hopefully we won't screw it up. So uh, these are the character models for people that will be animated. There's zombie guy, of course. And then we have Martin who you haven't seen any of the clips yet, but this, this guy also manifests. <clears throat> he's to the right of zombie guy, second from the right. Martin manifests in Eric's head as well, because he's echoes of, of Eric's college roommate. Um, so he kind of shows up and busts his chops a little bit too. Uh Jill is a girl that Eric, I'm sorry, Andy is a girl that Eric used to played by Jill Broomer uh, is a girl that Eric used to work with. And she's, she's kind of like one of the only true friends that he has <laughs> still. Uh, and she's in an engineer outfit because her day job now is driving us, driving a miniature train of kids. So that that's kind of, and I don't know why that stuck with me. I think it's when I was working at the pizza place, uh, I would go hang out in the mall and I would just see this train go by constantly, constantly, constantly. So it became like the source of comfort for me. So we have a miniature train in the movie now, but it also provides some thematic, um, some thematic kinetic connective tissue when sort of things start happening later and there becomes a train of consequences. So, and then there's, a, there's Angelo, of course, Eric, our lead actor uh, or our lead uh, Brandon Cole. He's got the pizza box. Then we have Debbie Rashawn. Uh, who plays Liz Black, uh, which is also kind of a weirdly, uh, it's a it's sort of a thinly veiled fictionalized version of Debbie herself. Uh, then we have the Michelle character. Uh, and then we have Eric's producer, uh, Richard, who is very frustrated with how, uh, how much money he's put into Eric's movies and how little he's gotten back, which I understand. But, you know, it's, there's only so much Eric can do substitute Eric for Mel in any of the previous sentences. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it just becomes a, a constant, another constant source of stress for him. So all of these characters show up in the animated sequences at one time or another. And uh, things get pretty weird. So as I mentioned, uh, several of our actors are musical theater actors. And uh, so we're going to play one. We're going to play one more clip. 
and then we'll I'll kick it to questions if anybody has anything or wants to add anything in. Uh, several of our actors are musical theater actors, and I had that whole musical theater um, epiphany where I realized that I wanted to do, and I kind of just wanted to see if I could write a write a song like that. And um, so what we what I've got here, I've got the rough. Well, it's 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 a final mix of the music but the excuse me the vocals on it are still me doing a rough track for the people that are going to be singing on it which is going to be ty zombie guy um uh michelle who you just saw the animated version of and a couple of the other actors will be singing on this so and then angelo has a whole verse that he does and then there's gonna be a saxophone solo that we're adding on so we still have to do that um but I had to get everything recorded and set up first. That's kind of just now coming back to me. So uh, I've got, I did a, a little lyric video for part of the song. So you kind of get the idea of what we're talking about and how it starts and uh, what we're kind of aiming for. It kind of starts off like a, I was going for typical musical, but it turns out uh, once I got it recorded, it came out of me sounding like a gospel, the beginning of a gospel's church song. So the beginning is pretty gospely, which I think works. Uh, again, in between. Uh, and then it, it kind of changes, it switches gears and gets loud. Um, but again, don't think that the warbling you hear is going to be the final vocal track. It's really just there's, think of it as storyboards for music. It's storyboard for the music and for the, for the lyrics and vocals. Um, just a guide, just a guide track. So once I get them in and record everything, then we'll go to, we'll go shoot the musical a number and uh, you know, do it to play, to take playback to this and uh, get We will get Angelo in there get his sex thing. Uh, another re another of my ulterior motives of doing all this is I wanted to write a song that Angelo sang and played on. Of course, why wouldn't I? So uh, those, anybody that's get that, you know, gave at that level of the Indiegogo, remember that we're also doing a seven inch release of this too. So uh, should be pretty awesome. So, I, I, this is the first any, well, a couple of people have heard it, but it's, you know, it's the first anybody outside the inner circle has really heard of the song. And the song is called, uh, the song is called shit show because if you haven't ever really heard that term, that's a term that gets bandied about a lot on movie sets. If things are going real bad, like they're like, uh, someone will be like, Oh man. All right. We're working on another shit show. Or if, I was reaching out to find crew for something. They'd be like, well, what do you think? Is it going to be a shit show? So while I've heard it used to refer to other things, I've heard it the most used to refer to terrible movie productions. So that was the thing that just stuck in my head. And also if I win the Oscar for best original song, I can't wait till they have to say best original song for shit show goes to Melhouse. So uh, that would be amazing. So here we go. The song is called shit show. Uh, and it's a it's the first half of it, I guess. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Let me get a share on here. All right, here we go. Enjoy. We're crewing up one more low budget indie. My resume's in, and I hope that they pick me. There's some interest from networks and stars. 
There's line items for cocaine and bars. The script is solid and the lights are all green. It's flexibly funded if you know what I mean. What does she mean? Don't make a scene. That's how you know. That's how you know. That's how you know. That is how you know you're on a shit show. Shit show. It's a shit show. You're on a shit show. You're cutting this scene with notes from producers who keep telling you you're a no-talent loser. How long can you strangle a dream before it dies? But you know it always helps to have fresh sets of eyes. May have started as your vision, but now it's one big circle jerk. Now hurry up and export this and get back to actual work. Make it more like clerks. That's how you There you go. Shit show. World premiere. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I keep telling everybody that I was, you know, cause when I, when I was doing those vocals, I was really phoning it in. Cause I was just like trying again, trying to lie down a guide, but, um, I blew my voice out eventually doing, because by the end of it, every time I was getting so mad about the stuff that I was singing because it's all sh again, shit that people have actually said to me, you know? Um, which we can unpack all those stories later at another time, but, but I would, I would actually, I couldn't separate myself from the experience. So I was like, <laughs> like, like, just like, I felt like, uh, it's like, uh, I was at a, you know, in a leading a black flag show or something. Um, so, but it was, it's very, it's fun. It's very cathartic. I can't wait to do, do it to playback and do it. I can't wait to play it live maybe at the, um, release party. Let's see if we can make that happen. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole another verse after that. There's the Angelo part that comes and, you know, stuff, but yeah, we're going to shoot that. Once we get everybody recorded, we're going to shoot it, have some choreographed dances, people with pizza boxes spinning around, maybe people in um, standardized patient gowns, you know, the whole, the whole deal should, it should be really fun. Um, and I think that kind of leaves me. Yeah, it will be epic, Julie. I will, I will make sure and let everybody know. That's that's why I wanted to shoot it kind of way, kind of set it aside from what we've already done because I just knew it would be, that's a shoot. That's a thing I want to focus on unto itself just to make it right. Like, I don't want to half-ass it, you know? Uh, um, especially once the song started coming together and I got the, the drummer on that track is Kelly Scott from the band Failure who uh, he did this thing during pandemic where they were all, you know, nobody was able to tour. So they were all looking for work. So he's like, Hey man, if you have a song, I'll, I'll put drums on it for, you know, very cheap. And I was like, dude, wh when else can I? So I jumped all over that. And that's kind of, that's kind of how it grew into, because the first version of the song, it was just me programming drums, you know, super simple. And so I was like, oh, man, I can have real drums and recorded like real well, you know, everything else I can handle. But 
um, that was the element I was missing. And then once that came back, I'm like, okay, we got to really, I got to hire an engineer. I want to make it sound right, <laughs> you know, do it for real. And then take the same approach with the actual scene around it, you know, do, do it legit and spend the time that we need to spend with it. Also, that's why we kind of did the Indiegogo because I want to have enough money to be able to do that. And I, there's an, I applied for uh, another grant that I'm fingers crossed. We'll hopefully hear about, uh, you know, any day now, because as you know, the stuff is expensive to, you know, expensive to do even at the indie level, but I want to do it. I want to do it. Like I said, the right way. Like I want to get the guy that we used to do all of our sound to do the sound mix on this. I wanted the colorist that I always use to do the color, <clears throat> the guy that I use on mystery spot to do the score and all that takes, you know, money. So, uh, that's another reason why I'm kind of putting a little break in there while we edit. Uh, I want to make sure Nick is paid for all the animation that he's doing. Uh, cause it's a lot, I know it's a lot of work. Uh, so I just put a little break in there between principal and then like maybe pick up shoot shoots and things like that as we raise a little more. Cause this still, by the end of the day, even with all that done, we're still getting out for under $50,000, which is like not just low budget for Hollywood. That's like no budget. That's like catering services, you know, craft services budget. So uh, it is still a very scrappy little indie film. Uh, I'm trying to th rack my brain and see if there's anything left I left out. There is not. I, I, I think that about covers it. Um, is anybody in attendance? Does anybody have any questions? Is there something I didn't mention that you'd like me to mention or talk about? Uh, I'm an open book. Most of you are, I think, involved with the movie or, or maybe gave to the Indiegogo, so you might have been getting the updates as well. Let me look in the chat here. Yeah, you like the gospel intro good. Yeah, it, I can't I can't squash my inherent blackness. It just came out that way. <laughs> I'm glad you guys liked it. I can't wait to – do I have a favorite scene? Um, I do, and it is probably – at the moment, it's probably the spooky knots thing I just showed because that just the way that came together in like the 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 experience that experiences that I tied to that hearing that and kind of getting back at them, you know, via art. That just uh, it really makes puts a smile on my face. But also, I really love like a lot. A lot of this, you know, the lines were written a certain way. They were written for Ty, but he adds so much nuance as Zombie Guy that takes it. It's like I didn't even know that I wanted you to do that, but please do that again. Please, do, like when he's like, "Hate the player, not the game." Boo, you know. I didn't write boo. He added the boo, but the boo has to be there, you know, stuff like that. Just watching him, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The boo's great. He has a few more moments like that. And again, just watching everybody kind of click in that scene, watching Brandon get slow, get, and I think he had been paying attention to me because, <laughs> because the way he slowly gets more and more angry, I'm like, I think he's been studying the subject a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I, I just like how he modulates himself in that scene. Uh, that's why, but however, I have a feeling that once I get to, I don't want to give anything away. But there's a big scene at the end with Angelo where it's just Angelo and Eric. Uh, and it's, it's a long monologue-y, heartfelt kind of thing. I was, it was hard for me to get through 
in a good way, hard for me to get through. Like I was getting choked up watching them do it uh, just because I've lived with this shit in my head for so long. And then hearing Angelo say these lines and also do it and then turn to me and be like, man, I know just what you're talking about. Like, I feel you, you will get through this. You know, you got, you just, I mean, it was, it was, that was a mind blowing day when we did that scene in particular. So I think that one's really gonna hit pretty hard. Once I, once I edit it, I have to admit, I'm kind of avoiding it because I don't want to have an emotional breakdown in the edit, in the edit suite. It, that happened to me during mystery spot with all the stuff with Reagan, uh, just cause it's hard, you know, kind of harder to watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that means it's effective, right? Oh yeah. Beneath this tough exterior, there does lie a beating heart. Uh, <laughs> any other, did they really say diet black? They did. They did. They did say diet black. <laughs> and the, you know, I, yeah yeah so i'm telling you you can't make this shit up um and the uh of course the blackish reference it's at the time i wrote this it might have even been longer than 10 years i don't know how long blackish has been a show but it was before blackish was a show because i think the the tagline i thought i was like oh we can call it a blackish comedy right that's perfect but then the show blackish came out and was a big thing so that's why it's kind of like nope you can't say that it's trademarked and he kind of looks at the camera a little bit Steven. So yeah, that's why they throw in those other things, but yeah, diet black was one of the, well, I can't remember. There was another, there was another <coughs> moment that uh, it, it was a pretty harrowing day. Uh, yeah. And I've had, I've had a few experiences like that where I just, I didn't pass the, the black test and I'm like, what you, I'm half black. Like to anybody that cares about those kinds of things, you know, I'm black. uh and you know i'm like well i'm just i'm just as mixed as obama he's your first black president you know what i mean like it's it's so it's such a weird kind of thing to not be you know there's that and then like in high school there were people that wouldn't let me in their house because i was black you know white people so it's like well where do i go you know do i just hang out with other mixed kids i i don't know you know and beyond that there are a couple of elements like this in the other parts of the script that we haven't the scenes that we haven't shown, but there are people that once they know that producers that I've encountered that once they know that immediately they're like, Oh, well, can you give us an urban script, urban script or something like that, or something like drug dealers or so. And that stuff has happened to me for real several, a few times uh, and crazier even more crazy things than that have happened. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a thing that again, I had to pull back on because you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe the truth. You wouldn't believe the truth Uh, in the last, you know, 10 years or so, maybe five years, people have got a little more, I would say careful with what they say, but I don't think in a lot of cases, I don't think it's, you know, what's in their heart. I don't think the things in their heart have changed. I just think they're picking their words more selectively and finding other ways to um, put you in that box, let's say. <laughs> yeah, the, not the drug dealers. Yes. Yep, the drug dealer story. Was Swerve based on a real person? Yes, he was in that meeting. Um, and actually, 
in the so in the actual meeting, he was another black guy. Uh, and the, I wrote that character for my friend Jordan Coleman, who actually literally just on TV a, a few minutes ago. He's in a Dell commercial, but he I wrote it for him because he's a very funny guy. Um, and I wrote the uh, I wrote the um, lines with him in mind, like his delivery, kind of like I did with Zombie Guy for Ty. However, in the interim, Jordan has kind of blown up. He's uh, he is now on. He was on uh, Snowfall for I think up until recently. I think they just got his characters no longer there. I don't want to give anything away if you haven't watched the show yet. Uh, he was on Snowfall. He was on uh, another big show that I'm forgetting. And then I see him in commercials all the time. So he is, he has leveled up and gone union. And while he is, he was definitely into doing the film that uh, we had to do this non-union just because of the budget. Uh, and because of some issues I had with the actors union on mystery spot. So uh, there have all been cleared up, but it's just like, we couldn't, the infrastructure of this movie could not support it if we had to get in some sort of protracted battle. So um, I was trying to think of who else might be good as Swerve. And my friend Derek, who is, uh, I actually met him at jujitsu. He was one of my jujitsu coaches. We kind of hit it off. He's a filmmaker as well. He did a movie called Lion Killer, which is all about jujitsu. Uh, and he, I just started thinking of Derek playing that role and it just would not, it would not leave my head and he's not someone who necessarily acts all the time. He's in his movie, but it's, it's a smaller kind of almost Hitchcockian <laughs> cameo, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. But I approached him one day and said, Hey man, would you be down to play swerve? I, and he'd read the script and he said, okay, well, do you think I can do it? I'm like, Oh yeah, it'd be perfect. We'll make it work. And so that's kind of where the whole, like, you know, white guy, whiter guy passing his black kind of angle comes to where, you know, Eric is like, well, this you're calling me out, but what about this guy? You know what I mean? So it's, and Derek is mixed as well. He's Creole, but it's, you know, because he's a little bit lighter of a shade, you know, it kind of like brings those questions into it too. Like this guy gets a pass. And again, not in that situation, but I've dealt with similar situations. So, I mean, that's the, that does happen. It does exist. So uh, yeah, swerve was unfortunately real. Anybody else got any questions? Nope. Okay. Well, I hope it was informative. I hope that kind of that gives you guys more of an idea of kind of what the film's about, like what the tone's going to be uh, for the most part. There's some sort of darker things that I actually haven't gotten to edit yet, like that scene with Angelo. Uh, so it does take, take a, you know, a darker sort of turn in parts. Um, but you get the general idea, I think, and you get to see some of the, yes, thank you, Caitlin. And I will get you your footage. I saw your message. I just, it's been crazy. Um, I've got, I'm actually editing that scene next. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So now you guys can kind of see where we're headed and what we have yet to do, uh, and where I plan on piecing in kind of piecing in all the, like, the things like the animation, the musical number, the puppets. And there's actually a Sesame Street type bit that we're doing. I wish I had that song ready because that's another little song piece that's going to be hilarious. Again, it came to me in a dream. Uh, 
yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the clips. I wanted to make sure I had them done. Uh, sorry that we had some technical issues. Again, I don't use Zoom all that much. So, well, thank you all for showing up. I did record all this. I'll probably put it on YouTube at some point down the line. At this point, I'm still trying to hold this stuff back from the gen pop. So, <laughs> so we don't give much away, but it will probably go online at some point. Um, and I will definitely make sure to keep all you guys posted. Thank you, Sean. And thank you. Thank you guys for all the support and everything. Uh, Nick will be in touch soon. Uh, I'm actually editing some scenes specifically around the animation stuff to get to you. So we kind of know where we're at. Uh, Nick Butler, Sickly's fam. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for supporting. Um, and I, yeah, like I said, I'll keep everybody posted right now. I'm just kind of waiting to see if the Houston arts Alliance, if we get that next grant, because that will kind of, that will kind of gate is sort of direct our focus on where we go. If it's just the Indiegogo funds, then I have to figure out one way to do everything and then what to sort of wait on. If it's that plus the grants, then we can kind of almost go full steam ahead again. We also are work. Uh, Fishbone is actually going on tour with George Clinton and P funk. So that happens in August, I think through September. So we're kind of working around Angelo's schedule on that. Ty has that play or that musical that he's doing. So we're kind of working around that too. So it'll be after the summer, no matter what, but that I'm thankful for that because it gives me time to get my head around it all and take a running start at the next, you know, the next little bit that we have to do. And I hope to be in full on post-production <clears throat> meaning it's with the audio guy and everything by like, ideally like the holidays. Um, so we could maybe hit the festival circuit early next year, but there's no, because this is this is what it is and it's a labor of love and uh it's just a small crew of people doing it there's no like hard deadlines or anything so it gets done when it gets done we want to do it right so whatever time we need to take to do it that's great um uh, again thank you everyone for joining me and, and and making time to check it all out i really appreciate you uh i will talk to all of you i guess in some form or fashion soon you guys have a good night <laughs>